Good evening. Please be seated. So this evening, to begin our reflection on that passage, I would like us to spend a moment in our own imagination, because I'd love to bring to you a poem by R.S. Thomas on the same theme. So I'm going to invite you to close your eyes, not go to sleep, please, (laughs) remain alert, and just enter into your imaginative space. So I want to invite you to imagine yourself in a field that you have once been in. I wonder what you can see. What you can hear and feel and touch. Just take a moment to use your imagination to be present in that field. The Bright Field by R.S. Thomas. I have seen the sun break through to illuminate a small field for a while and gone my way and forgotten it. But that was the pearl of great price, the one field that had treasure in it. I realise now that I must give all that I have to possess it. Life is not hurrying on to a receding future, nor hankering after an imagined past. It is the turning aside like Moses to the miracle of the lit bush, to a brightness that seemed as transitory as your youth once, but is the eternity that awaits you. invite you to open your eyes once again. just want to share some words by Malcolm Geit on that poem that help us see perhaps the connection to our reading this evening. This beautiful little poem brings us to the heart of a gospel paradox and also takes us deep into the mystery of time. The paradox is about losing to find, giving away to gain, giving everything up only to find it given back in a new and more beautiful form. Jesus came again and again to this paradox in his teaching. And again this evening, do we not hear in our gospel reading Jesus speaking to us of the cost and the commitment of discipleship. This is a request for total service, total 
commitment. But yet, with the promise of an eternity that awaits us, we are not declining toward a sunset, but we are walking and journeying toward the dawn. The time is now. The people who are called are us. And the demand is everything. I don't know about you, but when I was thinking about that, preparing for this evening, the demand is everything, that can leave us feeling slightly inadequate. Very aware that perhaps we are not giving everything to God. And Richard Foster helpfully talks to us and says that distraction is the primary spiritual problem of our day. Is it not so that we have so much noise around us, noise that demands our attention and, if I'm being honest, is extremely attractive at times? And even if we manage to settle down that noise, how internally all those fears, those reservations, those provisos of ifs and buts, and what might happen if I truly give my all, I know when I was considering vocation and this walk and journey, there have been painful times on that journey, but one of the things was I worried so much about a loss of income. I spent two years being bothered about a loss of income. Distracted by those inner turmoils. So I wonder, how can we journey well with this invitation by Jesus to give all? There's no mincing of those words. You cannot be my disciple without giving all. Well, I'd like to start at the point of being with God in the mystery. It's a bit of a wordy phrase, isn't it? But being with God in the mystery. You see, if I start, if we start from the premise of being completely preoccupied with our daily agenda, with our fears and our concerns for ourselves, those we love and the world, if that's where we start first and foremost, is it not so easy that we are distracted and blinded to the glories of God, to the ways in which God is present and is at work among us? I was thinking about... Um, the New Zealand situation this week. That cold-blooded action of someone who comes in and takes the life of all ages in a moment. And I was wondering, if I remain preoccupied with a sense of despondency that somehow, God, you are absent, you've disappeared, and there is no love in this world, and actually sin is getting the better end of the stick now, where, you know, we really are at a terrible time. Preoccupied, first and foremost with how I think it should work out. First and foremost with my concerns. First and foremost with my fears. But what's it like if I just shift my perspective by just a moment, just a short, small shift, and accept that God is present. God was and is present with those suffering, those who were dying on that awful day. God is suffering with us and is in the midst and is present. And if I am being with God in the mystery of the unknown, am I not more available to see the glories, the ways in which he wishes to delight and guide and help me? I'd like to draw us to another poem 
which actually, if you're not into poetry, you might think, my goodness me, what is this all about? But bear with me, (laughs) because I think it speaks to this whole matter of not all is lost. As if the prisms of the kaleidoscope I plunged once in a butt of muddied water surfaced like a marvellous light ship, and out of its silted crystals a monk's face that had spoken years ago from behind a grill spoke again about the need and chance to salvage everything, to re-envisage the zenith and glimpsed jewels of any gift mistakenly abased. What came to nothing could always be replenished. This is a picture the poet is drawing from childhood times. He was given a gift of a kaleidoscope and in a curious and inquisitive way of a child, decides he wants to look at whether that kaleidoscope will see through this butt of muddy water. So in he plunges it, out it comes. Oh dear, it doesn't work so well. The muddy water becomes a metaphor for all that is lost, broken, messy and murky about us as human beings. The kaleidoscope and image of ways of seeing the glories of God And as it's drawn out, that gift of seeing the glories of God, is it ruined? Well, the poet is saying what came to nothing could always be replenished. Has this gift been ruined forever? God is always present, replenishing, renewing and bringing well-being. That kaleidoscope, that gift of seeing God's glories, has it been ruined by what happened in New Zealand? Is it ruined by what concerns us? Has that gift, through the most costly service of Christ, of giving life and being resurrected, is the gift of seeing God present with us ruined? No. No, it is not ruined. Through Jesus Christ, God is redeeming and restoring. And therefore, Jesus says, give me everything. Give me all your fears, your concerns, your ways. Give all to me. I demand everything of you. The cost is great. Will you calculate that cost? Will you still come? And surely as we shift that perspective into God present with us, we search the story of God and us. And it takes us to the Bible, it takes us to the wisdoms of old, the creative art and writings of many centuries. It takes us to the place of searching. And is it not true that when we go through scripture, we find so often the traumas, the events, the war, the violence, the fickle nature of human beings, and yet God, faithful, constant in love, reaching out to us, always seeking us. This is the God who demands everything of us. He has given Christ on the cross who has risen. The most costly act anyone could do. So as we begin to shift our perspective, as we begin to reflect on the story of God and us, surely it brings us to the response of prayer. You know, Reverend Sam Wells talks about prayer as showing up, being present with God fully, wholeheartedly showing up. 
There's no more pressing thing, no more important thing, no concern that cannot be resolved through our relationship with God. As we come into prayer, we might remember the story of Mary and Martha. Martha was attending to important things, but she was delayed by those things. First and foremost, those actions, those activities, those things were important to her first and foremost. But actually, Mary was there absorbing everything about Jesus. His physical presence, his spiritual presence, his emotional, psychological presence. She was sat with Jesus absorbing every part, all his wisdom. And assuming that by her presence with Jesus, this was the most appropriate and greatest service that she could give to Jesus at this given time. There was nothing more important And from that place comes the discernment of where we put our energy. What is on the heart and the desire of God? Where does that take us? How is God suffering? Not only for those who were victims in New Zealand, but also for the person who had moved to such a cold place they could go in and do something, take life in that way. The God who loves both. This is the God who demands everything of us to change our hearts and our perspectives to the voice and heart of God. This isn't easy. Take up your cross is the surrender of what I think is right to seeing the glories of God once again revealed. So we come to this time of Lent. We are in the season of Lent. What better time than to come back to prayer and ask ourselves about our spiritual health. What is the nature and health of our spirituality? Is it one that enables a human spirit under the mighty hand of God so that God may exalt you in due time? So that confidently you cast your anxiety on Jesus. So that you discipline your life to live in and through Christ. Through his compassion, his gentleness, his love, his peace, his unity. So that you remain steadfast in faith when unclean spirits test and taunt you. So that when you suffer, you know the presence of God of all grace, who has called you to eternity in Christ, who has promised he will restore you, support you, strengthen you and establish you. When Jesus says everything, Take up your cross, give me everything. This is our opportunity to come back to the Lord, to confess our distractions, to change our perspective to a God who is in the midst, not a God who is ignoring, and to allow our prayer life 
to be revolutionized by attentively soaking in the presence of Jesus Christ. I wonder, will we give our commitment once again to that costly discipleship? Amen.